Welcome to the Soul Tribe Podcast. The Soul Tribe Podcast was created to help you navigate through the world of spirituality, wellness, and self-development in an easy, grounded, and relatable way. We break down everything from the Akashic Records, manifesting, spirituality, and so much more. We want to help expand your boundaries and bring the spiritual world to you in a fun and easy way. Get ready to be inspired with tips, tools, and easy-to-digest information. Let's do this. Hey everyone, and thanks for tuning in to the Soul Tribe Podcast. Today, Lorraine and I are interviewing Miriam, who is an Ashurveda practitioner, and she practices in Holland and in India. It was really interesting because I didn't know anything about Ashurveda. Like I had, I didn't have any previous experience talking to anyone really about what it's like, what it's about, what you know, what the basis of the information goes off of, and uh, what what it looks into, how to be healthy, all these things that we discuss with Miriam. And she also discusses her practice uh, in India and her teaching. She teaches um, others to be practitioners also. Uh, so it was really cool to, to pick her brain about the information about all the doshas. And now that I know that it is, because before we didn't, her practice and, and how she got into this. So I hope you guys enjoy this interview. And I hope you guys find information that's useful for you to better your health and your own spiritual path and your own well-being. Miriam, thank you so much for joining us today on the Soul Tribe podcast. Um, we have so many questions to ask you about Ashurveda, but um, you're a practitioner, is that correct? Yes, that's correct. Okay, can you explain? Because I'm I'm very new to Ashurveda. I know that there's some people out there that are they're already very um, into it, but um, I think a lot of people don't. Some people don't know what it is yet, like me. So, do you think you can give us kind of like a brief overview of what it is and how it began? Well, the word Ayurveda by itself, it, it's built up from uh, Ayu and Veda, and it's uh, uh, Ayu is like life, and uh, the Veda is like knowledge. So uh, the translation for the word is like knowledge of life. So it's not not the first thing. It's not like a, a, a medical system to cure diseases, but it's the knowledge of life to uh, to prevent diseases. Okay, I see. And so where did this, where did it begin or where was it founded? Yeah, there are different stories about that. It's like uh, some of the texts uh, write that this is like a 5,000 year old uh, uh, system. And but I also read somewhere 3,000 year or 6,000 years. So it's thousands of years old. Mm. So it's a, it's a medicine, it's a, we were speaking a little bit before we went on air, but it's a, it's a medical system, right? Like that they use in India, correct? Yes. Yeah. Perfect. And I don't know if there's any beliefs or I don't know if it's like, a, is it a spiritual kind of, cause I know, I know like, for example, acupuncture and other like Eastern medicines might have some beliefs or spiritual beliefs behind it. Would that be the case with Ayurveda? Uh, it's, it's not like a religious belief. So it's not, it's not part of Hinduism or what many people think, but it's the, they, the, they believe that, that we are all capable uh, to maintain health or to bring back our body, mind, and spirit in uh, back to balance, or keep it in balance. That's that's kind of what the belief system is about. It's not like a religious uh, thing. Mm. 
Okay, that's very cool. Okay. So it tries to keep us in balance to keep us aligned and healthy in that way? Yes. Yeah. And like you were saying, I think you said preventative, right? Yes. Perfect. I like that because I mean, a lot of the things that we encounter in life, like health issues, I think a lot of times might be linked to us not taking care of ourselves or just like stress or the way we're eating or not moving our bodies enough. And this might be a way, does it like, does it take care of all that? Does it look at all those aspects of your life? Yes. Oh, wow. Yes, okay. really so when, we, when we do, our, when we do a, a consultation, like we as practitioners or therapists, the, 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 the main, main focus for us is that we have to make sure that people don't get a disease. And when the disease kicks in, then we uh, work with doctors like Ayurvedic doctors, and they are they get involved because they studied like a, a five and a half years full-time Ayurveda, so they have so much knowledge. So I also work together with uh, like, um, yeah, like three, four Ayurvedic doctors from India. So, so do you, sorry, do you, so you practice Ayurveda, you help people in, is it, is it in Holland that you help people? Uh, yes, I work in Holland and in India. Oh, wow, okay. Wow, so you, you're going back and forth, or do you spend certain time in certain places, like half the year or something? Yeah, I did that for uh, for a few years. I lived uh, the most, um, the biggest part of the year I lived in India for the last uh, four or five years. And since one, since one and a half to two years, I'm back in the Netherlands for the school of my daughter, because she chose to go to the school here in the Netherlands. And, mm. and before she was in school in India. So that sounds like a very drastic, um, like different, two different, it's almost like two different lives. Like I don't want to, I've never been to India, but I want to imagine what it's like living there and then you living in Holland. How, how different is that? Um, yeah, the main difference is, is that my life is like in a lot of aspects, it is, uh, I, I'm living an Ayurvedic life. So, uh, so in that way, it doesn't really matter where I am in the world. I just have to adjust to the climate and to the seasons of that country. But um, yeah, of course, there's there's uh, a big difference in the work that I'm doing here in the Netherlands. I have to I'm I'm like a single mother, and my, my partner is from India, and uh, so I have to make money here. But when I'm in India, I do volunteer work uh, for the children that come to our clinic because we help the local people uh, for free from the uh, uh, from the, our foundation. So then I can just fully focus on what I really love, and that's Ayurveda, without thinking that I have to earn money or that I have to do something to make a living. Wow, that's yeah. beautiful. That's great that you can give back to people. Yes. So when you're doing this, like for, you're, you're volunteering on the children uh, back in India, are they already familiar with this tool? Do they already know what it is when they come to you? Uh, yes. Yes. Oh, okay. Is it, I guess this is kind of, I'm not, we, like Lucia and I don't know a lot about Ayurveda, but is this like the main form of like medical care that they use in India or not really? It, it was always uh, for, for long uh, years, it was uh, Ayurveda only. And then the, the British people came to take over India and then they also uh, brought in their medical system. So then people got more into the Western medicine. And now slowly they are going back to the roots and going back to uh, their own medical uh, health system. Oh, but okay. still they can, they can choose, like they can go to a Western uh, hospital and get a Western medicine uh, for free because there's many foundations in India that help people and uh, we offer it, but then based on Ayurveda. Wow, that's amazing. Like, and, and I think that's, that's the case for a lot of countries now and people kind of 
going both ways, Western and Eastern, and being able to, you know, use the Western for, for, you know, surgeries and things like that, or getting like certain tests done, but then being able to lean on the Eastern medicine to be able to like find the root cause of things. Cause I think that's, that's what sometimes it's lacking in the Western medicine, I believe. Yeah, because there's hardly any time and I, I see in Ayurvedic uh, consultations, like I take like uh, in, in the Netherlands, I take like one hour for my patients, like at least one hour, sometimes one hour and a half for intake. So you do like a really, uh, you ask a lot of questions and then and you check the tone and you check the eyes and the hands and the face and the pulse. And so it's, wow. it, goes, it goes pretty deep. That's holistic. I think it's it's important. Yeah, it's important to note that uh, I got your contact through. I was going to an access bar um, exchange, like where you exchange access bar bars with people, and I had met um, uh, a woman there, which who she gave me your contact because I wanted to get somebody to speak about this on the podcast but she spotted me off right away and was like you're not grounded you speak too much and and this and this and that and and, you, and you're you're all high energy and she spotted right away which is one of my biggest issues which is i'm not i have issues with grounding and that's when i went wow like in five minutes of knowing me you figured me out like how do you know this and she spoke about the tool and i said oh my god i need to we need to get this somebody to talk about this on the podcast because it was just, for me, it was so incredible how she was able to assess and, and, and see what was going on with somebody that she had in front of her for, for that short amount of time, you know? Yeah, you can, it's, a, it's a lot you can uh, see from how people talk, how people look, how they move their eyes. If they can stay with one subject for a long time or they're, they're like going from one subject to the other or it, it gives a lot of information to us as a therapist or practitioner. You're like an investigator. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> yeah, some, sometimes we also make jokes about it. Like, some, like before I was living uh, like in a kind of a flat and I was looking out of the window uh, when my client was coming and he, he uh, uh, did the last part of his cigarette <laughs> and then he put this kind of perfume in his mouth so I did not smell it. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and, and then he walked in the room and I was checking his pulse and then I asked like, uh, do you smoke? And he was like, oh my God, can you feel this from my pulse? <laughs> it was just so funny. <laughs> so yeah, you're picking up on people's issues just by their character, personality traits and way of like uh, just, just being. Yes. Yes. I, I, if, I have, uh, if I have clients that call me to make an appointment and they call me back and they skip the appointment and then they call me back again and they want to have the appointment and... And this goes on and on before we really have the appointments. And I already know, like, this vata dosha must be really high in this person. <laughs> <laughs> so but then we don't, we don't judge them. Like, uh, yeah. I, I, don't, I don't get mad or angry. Like, yeah, what do you want? Do you want to have an appointment or not? I'm only thinking, like, oh, this poor thing. Uh, vata is so high that she cannot even uh, make up her mind. Yeah. Mm. So there you're talking about the doshas, doshas right? Yeah. Yes. Maybe you can explain to everybody like what the different doshas are and what like what is a what does dosha mean? Uh, the, the word dosha by itself uh, in Sanskrit actually means disturbance, but it's uh, we have also the, the three energies we also call the three uh, doshas. So it's vata, pitta, and kapha, and uh, vata is like the energy that is uh, built up from uh, the uh, air and um, air and space. So air and space uh, elements, so it's 
and, and the gunas that belong to there, so the qualities that belong to this vata dosha, is like dry, changeable, cold, um, movable. Uh, so you can really see it like they have very often dry skin, dry, uh, dry hair. Uh, they have like dryness in their in their colon, so they have very often obstipation or, or constipation or. Um, uh, and you can see it in the way they talk. They talk very fastly, or they, they change subject all the time. Um, so, so it's like really that you can see that you can recognize this in these gunas. And then we have pita. And pita is built up from fire and water, so mainly fire and a little bit of water. So if there, if the water part would not be there, this person would burn up himself. But you can, <laughs> you can really see this in you know burnout people. We see it a lot lately. And the, 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 the qualities that belong to Pita is more like penetrating, hot, sharp. So they have a very uh, sharp intellect. Um, they can be really pen penetrating. And uh, if it's like out of balance, you can easily see it that they have like, they judge really fastly. Or like if you, you take in the stools, like it's a very uh, famous subject in Ayurveda, it's like, uh, how the toilet stools are going and that's like it can go like to a little bit more watery or very thin mm. and then you have kapha and kapha is earth and water so that's the the most stable one from the three of them and um uh, so the gunas is like heavy um, stable cool slow so this is like the really the people who are just sitting there and they can be really present and uh are not like really present but they are like really there and in their stability they are really stable and you can always the people that we like to have as our friends because they always they are always calm they can give really uh, good advices because they listen so good so this is a little bit uh, how you can explain the three dashas That's okay. so can you so be a mix of them yeah yes you mostly you are a mix of them so some people are all three of them at the same time so in, in equal in equal uh, quality and uh, but mostly it's like one is more than the other one like mostly you have two so mm. it's like a yeah the combinations are like vata pita pita vata vata kapha kapha vata pita kapha kapha pita so uh yeah you can just mix this and then you have the combinations but what's the goal is the goal to have all three of them balanced or, or no. No, no you're you're born with your unique uh, uh uh, amount of doshas in your body mm -hmm. and, uh, your balance is only your unique balance even if you have the same constitution as your sister or your friend your, you would be both pita vata or something then still it doesn't mean that you have the same amount of pita and the same amount of vata as the other person who's also pita vata person so everybody is like in this case like unique hmm. okay uh, it doesn't mean like if you have 100%, it doesn't mean like we have a perfect balance if we have uh, 33, 33, 33. Yeah, it's like you were saying dosha is a, is a disturbance, right? That's what it literally means. So it's like, it's like you're, would it be like considered maybe like um, kind of your weaknesses or something like that? Yeah, that, that was get like the, the dosha have their functions in their body, like a, one of the functions uh, from Vata. Is that it? Uh, it it uh, has to do the job in our colon to make this uh, contraction so that our stools are going out of our body. Mm. So if, if if vata is too high and this movement is too much, uh, you get like a like a spastic uh, uh, colon or 
uh, too much activity, you get cramp or you get like uh, other vata disturbance, like too much dryness or uh, a bloated bloated belly or this kind of uh, thing. So if it do, if it cannot do uh, his proper function, if it gets out of balance, then uh, uh, there's a lot of things that you can see in food habits, in behavior, where you can see these disturbances. But if somebody is like in the perfect balance for himself, then the doshas are not like a disturbance. They are just doing in the body what they're supposed to do. Mm, so they all, they, all have their, they all have their job. Like in everything that, in every organ that we have, everywhere these three doshas are, uh, are present. Because like, like even if it's like your stomach, it's like more like a, a related to pita and kapha. But Vata is also doing his work there. And in our colon, the structure of the colon is like, a, uh, it, it is something, so it is, it is kapha, the structure. And the movement, what is going through there, that's like more related to, uh, to Vata. So this is everywhere in our body, uh, all the three doshas are doing their, their, their job. But then if we get disturbed, then, then, then we can see the then we can see it in the disturbance in this person. So if the person has like a disturbance, then you have like a set of like what remedies or how do you work with them to get them to, to I don't know, reduce it? If they have that disturbance heightened, is it? Yeah, you have to bring back the, you have to bring the doshas back to their seats. So the, the, the vata is supposed to go back to the colon and uh, pita is supposed to go back to the intestines and uh, Kappa is supposed to go uh, back to the upper part of the stomach and above there. So uh, the seed from Vata is under the, under the nabi, under the navel, and from Pitta between the navel and the heart, and from Kappa above the heart. So there they are home, there they should be. And if they are getting out of balance, uh, you can see it in like, uh, if Vata gets out of balance, you can see it, the presence of it in the person, uh, yeah, we use the gunas for that, so then you can see like people get, uh, uh, they talk too much, they talk too fast, they, uh, or like if kapha is involved, they talk too slow, or they don't move at all anymore. Like, so it depends on what dosha is involved, how you can see where the disturbance is, and then you first start bringing this, this doshas back to their home, and then, uh, um, and then you bring people back on a, on a, re a daily regimen, what fits with their uh, constitution. So what would that regimen look like for, I don't know, maybe let's, let's put an example because I think that might help uh, everybody understand it better. Let's say they're like vata pitta and they have a bunch of imbalances. Um, you can maybe name a few. And how would you counteract, like would it be with food? Because I know food's a big thing with Ayurveda. Um, but what else apart from food would you like recommend or um, like, yeah, food is you know important, what I mean? but lifestyle is important, living by the seasons is important. Um, so first you have to go back to balance. So say that you are like, a, what you just said, like a Vata Vita constitution person. And so it means it's a very creative, active person, because there's a lot of movement in this person, because Vata and Vita are both, are both very active people. And uh, Vata is the creative part, and it's like it has a lot of ideas. And uh, Pita is the one who can uh, transform these uh, uh, ideas into doing something, so in, in action. So if we are getting like hyperactive and our mind comes up uh, with so many ideas and our Pita cannot follow this anymore because it's just too many, we have to bring back Vata home. So we first take care of Vata 
So we bring Vata home with a, with, with a diet or with treatments or um, pranayama, meditation, um, moving or, or no moving, like being totally uh, sitting in, in Tavasana or something like in posture that's really like uh, uh, bringing you back to earth. And then when, it, when, that's, when that all calms down again, then you can focus like, okay, you are not a Pitta constitution, so you have a lot of ideas, but you have to bring for yourself like a scheduling. If you have one idea, then first you're going to work with that one idea. And if you think this is not really nice, then you skip the idea and then only you go to the next idea to keep the mind calm. Because if you give Pata too much space, they will have every day five other plans to do. So many people recognize themselves in it because many people are like behind the computer and having, especially people who are like self-employed, they have every day new ideas. They, they see it, they hear it, they, they read it. And then they think, oh, then I should do it, then I should do it. And then we are driving ourselves totally crazy with all the ideas. Yeah. <laughs> and our minds never get calm because uh, we, we make ourselves nuts. <laughs> she just described me. <laughs> <laughs> me too, a little bit. <laughs> no, but sometimes it's also helpful because uh, that's also what Ayurveda is saying. Like it is, we need to, to work in a team. You actually, uh, it's always good to find a balance. Like if you, if you are a, a Vata Pita person yourself, then try to find in your partner or in your business partner or in your life partner, like somebody with more kapha in the constitution, like just a person who's more stable and who's more calm and who's a little bit slow, so that you bring in the balance uh, there. But if you also choose to have like a vata partner, then you have two of these overly creative people who flop up with so many ideas, and yeah, then it gets really hectic in your head. Yeah, so true. Oh my gosh, that's why they always say like opposites attract, right? <laughs> yeah. That, that, <laughs> Yeah, it is also like I, I wrote a book about uh, uh, Ayurveda for uh, couples who want to get pregnant. And, I, and my advice is also really like try to find somebody who is your opposite. Because if you are Vata constitution and your, your partner is also Vata, definitely you will have a baby with a lot of Vata. Oh. oh. So it, 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 it's not, it doesn't bring a lot of happiness in the family. And if you are a Pita constitution and your, vata, and your partner is also a Pita constitution, there's a higher chance that you will have Pita children. So this, this means things like sitting in a car on a holiday and everybody knows better which way to go. Everybody <laughs> has its own navigation. <laughs> you want to go to France and everybody <laughs> knows better. So you get a lot of arguments because uh, uh, Pita really wants to battle and, and fight and win. The five in one family or four in one family who want to win, that's not, not really comfortable. So better mix it a little bit so you get like also healthy mixed children. So the, the family situation will be better. So you're kind of like controlling the doshas and the time where you're trying to conceive to help you get a, a more balanced uh, mix in the family kind of thing. Yes. Actually, uh, 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 what the book is also about is like... A, a, mainly including myself, oh, I'm pregnant. It, it kind of happened. Like uh, I got two times, uh, I got a daughter two times. And uh, so it was not really like uh, perfectly planned. But if you want to do it perfectly, perfectly according to Ayurveda, it, it's, it's wonderful if you're healthy and you're in balance and your partner is in balance, is in the right balance. And then uh, you find the right moment to, to make the baby. So choose the, if, if, there, if you have a partner already, 
and you are a PETA constitution and your partner is also PETA, then at least make sure that you don't make the baby or uh, in the summer or like, you know, that, that because the summer uh -huh. is the PETA season. So, oh. yeah, so this is uh, uh, yeah, really interesting uh, how much, how aware people are uh, who uh, want to have children according to Ayurveda. It's really um, nicely done. It's like a well thought and it's really like, no, I'm not in balance right now and I should not have a baby now because I will, I will give my disturbance to my child. I think that's pretty, pretty beautiful. Yeah. yeah. Um, later on, um, if you can give us like a link to where the people can purchase your book and we'll put it under the episode uh, bio. Yeah, so the Dutch, uh, the Dutch book is uh, it's published in September and uh, now it's getting translated in English. So in the end of the month or next month, it will be ready and then it will be uh, on my website. Oh, okay, perfect. perfect. That's awesome. Yeah. And so we didn't ask you how you got into this. Like, where did, when, what brought you to learn this or get into the path? Yeah, I was in the, in the year 2000, I was in Israel. And um, um, there I was living with some people. It was in a kibbutz, but I was living in an, in an ashram part of the kibbutz. And I, actually, I never heard of this word. I, I was, I, I did not know anything about spirituality or, or Ayurveda or yoga. It was all new to me. But yeah, by accident, I just came there. And, uh, and yeah, I met all these kind of people who uh, were living for a long time in India. And they came back to Israel to stay in the kibbutz. And uh, yeah, and there people were working with Ayurveda. So there I heard the word and I got Ayurvedic massages. And then I came back in the Netherlands and uh, I had a somewhere a job and it was not really nice and then I got pregnant and I thought I should do something that I can uh, plan my own uh, life like my own working times and schedule so I should study something so that I can be self-employed and then my friend saw something somewhere and she said I saw something and it's coming from India and it must be something that you really like and then I googled it and I thought yeah this is what I uh, what I already know from Israel and then I started studying in the Netherlands uh, Ayurveda. Wow. So do you think this is linked in any way, maybe? Because I don't know, a lot of the people that listen to our podcast are um, on kind of a spiritual journey uh, or some type of path where they're trying to find themselves and learn about new ways to kind of connect with themselves and, and not only, I guess, on a spiritual level, but maybe even on a health level. Do you think this is linked in any way to maybe a spiritual path for you? I, I, I don't know. It just seems like it could it could link to spirituality, Ayurveda. Yeah, for me, it definitely was because I was really, yeah, my unborn my unborn child brought me on the path of Ayurveda to to study it, and uh, before I completed uh, my first Ayurvedic training, um, my daughter uh, passed away, and. Mm -hmm. um, so she was uh, like uh, two and a half years uh, when she died and um, so she is really like she really was the one who was holding me with the hand and guiding me through the whole Ayurveda world because I went to India uh, in the first year of my studies just straight after she died and uh, I had some amazing experiences there that I yeah suddenly I realized uh, uh, yeah, more about what, what life is. Of course, when, when somebody dies that's very close to you, you enter some other world, I think. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so uh, India really hit me when I was there the first time because it really helped me to, 
to uh, digest the fact that she was not in her physical body with me anymore. And uh, yeah, and then actually through my whole studies, um, she was really guiding me and the, the, the school where I studied always accepted that there was a candle burning on an altar that I made in the class. And so that was also really helpful. Mm. And then like five years ago, um, I was on my way and then I, I saw this project that I have to do in India and it's named after my uh, daughter who died. Uh, oh my gosh, it's beautiful. Yeah. So I also thought like uh, India gave me a lot of opportunities to study Ayurveda, first in the Netherlands and later I went to India to study. And then I thought, uh, yeah, how many people in India do lose their children or something like that would not be even possible to lose your child in the West. Yeah. So I thought if I can do something there for children, then it would be, yeah, would be something really uh, smart to do. Or like really, it, it gives a good feeling. Yeah, that's yeah. beautiful. And then the, the whole thing uh, kind of, uh, because now we also uh, help girls with uh, uh, menstrual pads, like washable, so because many girls don't have money for, for, uh, for pads, because they, yeah, they, uh, they don't dare to ask their parents for pads because they are so poor. Yeah. And, um, and we bring like clean drinking water and food uh, parcels for people who don't have uh, money to nourish their families and we help the children to go to school so we, we pay the school fee the books and this kind of stuff wow that's amazing that's, that you do yeah. so much that's, that's so beautiful cool. that you like you're taking your own time and, and part of your life to to help these individuals that don't have you know the things that many of us take for granted sometimes that it, it must feel so good at the end of the day knowing that you helped you helps at least one person let alone more than one yeah it's a small foundation but uh the 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 feeling that you have exactly like in the end of the day it really gives a good feeling if you could help somebody yeah it's beautiful and that that your that your daughter was able to kind of inspire all of this in you and and really definitely connected to your path for sure yes yeah it's it's, uh, like uh, my my my, uh, the, my second daughter she's also like uh, when when she was small she told me things that i was so flabbergasted i was like she said, yeah, yeah, but I, I was already here and I already know my sister. She cannot, she cannot know her. Oh said, my, yeah. my goodness. Yeah, I did not have a body yet, but I was always walking next to you. And uh, the two of you could not see me, but I could see you. And she told me the whole thing. Like, what? I, was, I was somewhere and I did not have a body. And then uh, somebody came and then they showed like a couple of souls. Uh, that, that somebody has to be born with me and she said immediately she knew it was her that she has to go on the earth and get a body and uh, live with me <laughs> like, oh, okay wow. she told that's me, beautiful yeah i think she was like one and one and one and a half she could mm. talk extremely good and i was like okay this that's is interesting so that story is incredible <laughs> yeah, so yeah. my children are i guess that uh, yeah I, I call my children like my village. Yeah. I, I mean, they're definitely here to give you like uh, your spiritual wake up call in a way, right? Yes, of course. Yeah. But I yeah. think, uh, yeah, that children are always our, our mirrors. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And so, talking a little bit about um, like healing and sicknesses. So, what I know you said it's preventative. So, what kind of things have you seen that it, it helps prevent you, you know, getting? What kind of sicknesses can help you not to get in your body? Yeah, that, that, that's a little bit difficult. You can see it more in people who have like family issues. 
like uh, diabetes is in the family and mm -hmm. they want to uh, try to avoid getting it if they did not have it yet mm -hmm. and that you can try with lifestyle uh, uh, yeah, that they don't get it so that i i saw successful stories uh, especially in india a lot because in india people have more uh, they have the, the, their lifestyle is also changing and the food uh, what they are eating is also changing it gets more western but for them it's more easy to say like you have to eat uh, dal and you have to eat rice and vegetables that's easy for them because this is how they grow up but if we have to tell here people that they have to skip like in the netherlands the people eat so much bread so if we tell people here like better you don't eat bread because there's a chance that you will get this disease and uh, they cannot they, they cannot do it <laughs> you have to come up every month with new ideas for them because they are so much into this we need bread because there's nothing else that we can eat <laughs> i ate a lot of bread when i was in holland it was delicious yeah. <laughs> that, that's the thing like even for example I, I live here in in holland and my partner is dutch and and my daughter goes to a preschool here and even like they have a day where they get lunch and they're con it's considered healthy they give all the children bread with usually peanut butter right like and that's for them is considered a very healthy diet Yes. And they, they strongly believe that. Yes. And that, that I think one of the biggest thing here is all the bread with the cheese, the bread mm. with the peanut butter. And, and what do you think of the yogurt with the fruit? That, that's really a big thing <laughs> because everybody thinks this is extremely healthy and yeah. it's extremely not healthy. Yeah. yeah. And then you're having the cheese and the yogurt and, the, yeah. and the, uh, all that. Like it's all dairy all day long. Yes. Yeah. And then all the coffee because I get sometimes people uh, for consultation and it's like small cups of coffee at work that they drink like 10 to 12, 15 cups of these small cups of coffee every day. Oh my gosh. Yeah. If I drink two, I cannot sleep at night anymore. So how come they are still, that they can still function with so much coffee uh, in their system? Yeah, I don't know. I think people just don't realize the effect that food, like the food we consume has on our body it's it's crazy because i like i started um kind of a i don't know it's called meta therapy and i'm taking a bunch of homeopathic medicine and and other things and the first thing that the doctor said was change your diet so i cut out all dairy all wheat all sugar like alcohol everything and it's so crazy how like the first weekend i thought i was gonna die <laughs> i was like i had the worst migraines i felt horrible like to the point where I was like, is this even worth it? But then that made me realize like my body's dependent on all these substances. It's dependent on the caffeine because I was drinking so much caffeine. That's another thing I cut out. And then like the cheese, the dairy, like we just don't realize what we put in our body. Yeah. So it's also always better. I will never advise somebody to skip the whole thing in one weekend. Hmm. I just, <laughs> Lorena, Lorena. <laughs> Yeah, it's really like a pita action to do something like this. Like, oh, yeah. I skipped the whole thing. I just I, went full on. <laughs> I, I would try to reduce. Like, if somebody's drinking 12 cups of coffee a day, then I said, this week you can still have 12 because they have the feeling that they are still in a good week. And then next week you can have 10 and then come back here and drink more water in between. And I'll take the calls and then we will see if you can have more coffee afterwards. Yeah. So, you know, so if I say, like, if I already going to tell them when they drink 12, like we are going to the, to the, to the direction that you are going to only have one a day, then I already lose them. So I just yep. go like yeah. skipping one, two, and then ah, let's see you again in one month. And then 
And then I tell them like, oh, it's really improved and you're doing really good. And now we go to uh, six coffee a day. Like, so um, if you do it in one time, you, you, you have like that. If you, if you stop like uh, taking drugs. Yeah, like, uh, Withdrawal. Yeah. 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 So, so this is probably how you must have felt because white sugar and coffee and alcohol is all, yeah. It's all like poison for our body in a way, I think, especially yeah. sugar. Like I did not, I, I did realize really how addicted to sugar I was, but, but when you actually stop eating processed sugar, how you stop craving it after like a few weeks, it's crazy. Yeah. And if you also see where it is, where they, where they edit in, in how many food items that they put sugar Everything. Yeah. Everything. Yeah. Oh my gosh. When you start so what is, apples, yeah. <laughs> so what is like a, a balanced diet for Ashurveda look like? Like what, what would a typical day of eating, what would you be putting in your diet? Yeah, it actually, it depends on your constitution and it depends on the season and on uh, your age. So mm-hmm. of course, children have to eat other things than uh, uh, people who are like, if you are a child, you are in the kapha stage of your, li- of your life. So you have to grow so you can eat more heavy and nourishing items. And then, and then you go from the puberty to the midlife crisis or menopause. It's like the pita stage of your life. So uh, uh, then you should not, you should eat enough, but it should be according to what we are doing. Like I'm living here on the east side of the country in the Netherlands, and there's still a lot of farmers here. So I see from people from my age that their their uh, uh, parents were farmers. These people still eat like farmers, but they are sitting the whole day behind the computer. Yeah, you can already have an idea how how the the body is not happy with that because of course if you work on the field and this this parents they did eat like pig meat and potatoes and like really heavy lunch yeah of course because after the lunch they go to the land and they work there till six o'clock in the evening yeah. it's like a lot of physical work of course your body can digest this but if you are eating this kind of food and you're you go back to the office and you're sitting till five o'clock behind your computer you don't need this much kind of food. Yeah. So you should eat also according what you are doing, what is your lifestyle, how much sport you are doing, um, and what is the season. So in the summer you eat totally different stuff than uh, in the winter. So you can actually say like what is what is uh, the, the 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 place where you live. What is the place offering you for food? So it's, it's like we should not eat strawberries now because there are no strawberries growing here in the Netherlands because it's winter. Mm-hmm. But if you go to the supermarket, it's everywhere it's strawberries. Yeah. yeah. So there's. Uh, it, it's also difficult to to live and eat according to what is good for you from the place where you are born and what is good for your body because everything is available. Yeah, and that's also going back in time. Like that's probably what our ancestors did, right? They ate what they had at the time. At at like winter time, they might have eaten certain foods, and then summer, there were probably more fruits and berries that they they would be able to consume because that's what was like probably very like abundant. So I think going back to that, even just that idea is great, but it's hard now because, for example, I live in the Cayman Islands where all the food is basically imported. There are some local farmers and stuff, but most of the food that you get here is all imported. So it's hard to even know like what really grows here and like when would it grow because it's hot all year round. It's it's kind of a weird place, I think, in that sense. Like, how would you? Yeah, mangoes and papayas. Like yeah, and even mangoes. Like mangoes will come in the summer. Like you don't really get mangoes in the winter, right? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it, I think also like we have like we have a nature shop, and some people, my main customers say like 
it's too expensive to buy food there because all this organic organic stuff is of course more expensive. Then I say like just go there every week and only walk around in the vegetable area, and then you know what vegetables are like uh, from this from the season, and then you go to the other supermarket and you buy it there for, for, for cheaper. Yeah. But at least at least you you know that uh, that now it's pumpkin time and now it's potato time and now it's like you know. So that, yes. that you know that if you see strawberries, that you already know, oh, yeah, that's not possible now because it's not growing. But many people don't really know this kind of stuff. They have no idea what's growing in what season. And yeah. And so changing the topic a little bit, you talked about how you got um, the massages. With it, I mean, you look at the pictures. I haven't gotten one, but it's like it looks like a lot of oil. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So, like, what what's what does that massage do, and why is why is there so much oil involved? Um, it it depends. It depends who is getting the massage. Like for a kapha person, we don't need to give a massage with that much oil, and sometimes even not with oil at all, because kapha is already stable and slow, and uh, it's already oily by itself. So mostly I even give treatments to kapha people with herbs, or dry herbs. Uh, for vata, for pita people, they are slightly oily. They also don't need that much oil. And they should have like more cooling oil. And then vata, because vata from itself is so dry, you can add like a little bit, little bit more oil. But uh, uh, I think for me, but it's, it's personally what I think, it's like sometimes also a little bit show, like uh, look how much oil we are using. But it doesn't make sense to use more oil than the body can digest. I, I mean, it doesn't make sense to, to put uh, one liter of oil on your body if your body can only uh, absorb 100 ml. So, mm -hmm. so you also see it with uh, uh, that very famous the Indian head massage. And then you see this uh, on YouTube also. And then the oil yeah. is going everywhere. But more, <laughs> more oil your body can, your hair and your skin cannot absorb. It, it's, for me, it looks like show. Or <laughs> yeah. it's maybe sponsored by the one who's selling the oil. That's also <laughs> maybe. Yeah. yeah, I don't think it's necessary. Yeah. Adjust the oil to the to the person who's paying. So it and basically balances balances out things in your body with the oil massage. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Okay. So especially especially now uh, nowadays, like in the West, people have a lot of stress, and people are many people have a lot of vata disturbance because vata gets easily disturbed. Because it's so movable and it's so light and it's uh, so subtle, so that easily you can bring back in balance with putting on something warm and and fatty and oily. So then oil massages are a perfect solution. Wow, that sounds like what I need because I get stressed out a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so, so get some massages. Yeah. Um, and what what about if someone would want to get a massage? Do you like think that they should go? Uh, um, like what, like once a month or something to get like rebalanced. Yeah, it it, uh, it depends what's going on. Some people can have it like once in two weeks, mm -hmm. and some people who are really really stressed can have it every week. And uh, yeah, for some kapha people who are a little yeah, you have to be careful because you should not use too much oil on their body. Okay. I kind of want to go back to the illnesses and sicknesses because I feel like you know today we see so much cancer, so many people getting like autoimmune diseases and like so many crazy things. Where, what are like the most common issues or illnesses people come to you for? 
Um, in my clinic, it's um, mainly women with a burnout, couples that cannot get pregnant, uh, diabetes, uh, arthritis, psoriasis, and nowadays cancer, of course, a lot, and Parkinson's. Wow. So they're all types of stuff. Yeah, yes. totally. Yeah. yeah. And have you seen like great things from, I, obviously you totally believe in it. I don't know that much about it, but do, do you see people like healing themselves from all of these um, like mentioned illnesses that you said? Um, if you already, if there's already a pathology, so you already have like, a, your, your body's already like uh, having a disease, then I think, uh, with lifestyle and diet and working on the season is probably not enough. Mm. Very often it's not enough. So what we are, what I do a lot here is panchakarma. So then, then people have to, uh, I, we help them because they are here and we fully take care of them for sometimes 10 days, sometimes 21 or 28 days. So we fully take care of them. So they, they, they don't have the problem that they see snacks that they want to eat or they go, they go for a walk and they see ice cream. And so they are just in here in the house and we are just checking them the whole day what they are eating and they are saying like i'm hungry can i have some food and then we are checking if they are really hungry but then we, we help them to come back to themselves because some people are just uh, eating with the time like they eat at eight o'clock at 12 o'clock and four o'clock and it doesn't matter if they are hungry or not yep. this we we reset them here that you should eat when you're really hungry and if you're not hungry you should not eat so or you have to do your best to get hungry so that your body can digest what you are eating yeah and, and then you get everyday treatment and then you had like a, a big reset uh, in your system and a big cleansing and from there we guide them and then they have to do it fully themselves with some help but then they go back to their normal life and then we change the routine to prevent that they get into the same uh, situation again wow so what is panchakarma exactly uh, panchakarma is like um a pancha is five and karma is action, so it's like five actions that Ayurveda can use to take a disease or like a, a disturbance out of the body. And uh, you have like uh, oil chismas for people who have like problems with vata, and people who are, have problems with pitta, they can uh, do like uh, purgation. And uh, for kapha, it's like vomiting. It's a tough one. I never do it in the Netherlands because our climate is not, we cannot adjust it in the sky, it's too cold here. And then you have Rakta Mokshina, so it's like bloodletting. We do it normally with beaches in India, and here we do it with a needle so to take the blood, the poison blood out of the body, or the, the, the dirty blood, or the yeah, unhealthy blood you have to take out of the body. Mm. And uh, Masham. Masham is like the treatment that you put oil in the, in the nose. Oh, wow. So it works more like on the mind when people have had some uh, uh, psychological disabilities. It's like a detox kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That's interesting. Oh, for some reason, I because I looked it up and I thought it was like a seven-day process, but you said that they can do up to like 28 days? Yeah, it depends. Uh, it depends what you have. Like in seven days, you can maybe do one, one karma, one of the five. But seven days, I think, for a real panchakarma, seven days is way too short. But I know that, uh, especially like in the West and in America, they are selling it like even for three days. But you can actually not really do like in three days panchakarma. How I learn it, but I don't want to judge other people because everybody learned it in his own way. But in in my place, if people want to come here for three days panchakarma, I don't do it. 
I, I don't also touch the family children. Mm. Yeah. I mean, so it's almost, is it like a retreat in a way? Because you said that they're going, they're going there and, and they're being fed so that they don't do the wrong thing or get tempted. Is it like, the re- it's almost like a retreat for them where they're like, kind okay. of, Yes, actually kind of a hospital because they get like everyday treatments and uh, they get like uh, totally yeah, fully taken care of them. They have a room here. Oh, that's cool because then like imagine people that are feeling stressed in their environment, right? And they go into Panchakarma and they're just like, okay, I'm away from all of my worries. I'm able to focus on myself. I'm able to focus on detoxing. And then I guess the struggle would be going back to that reality and being able to adapt to it in a different way. Is that like challenging for people? Yeah, but what we always do, like if people take the time to, uh, to really go into a Panchakarma for 21 or 28 days, we start building up the treatments and prepare the body for the cleansing. Then we do uh, the real cleansing because you cannot do like a, chisma, a cleansing chisma on the first day. You really have to build it up and make, prepare the body for uh, a cleansing. And then uh, in the last days, we build it up again with, with lifestyle, nutrition, and treatments so that people are strong enough to, to go to back to their daily routine. Wow. You cannot do a cleansing today and then tomorrow you have to go back to work. That would be, yeah, no. That would be really uncomfortable. Yeah. And 21, I think, days is a good time for a detox. That sounds like at least a lot of the the information I've read out there, not just with obviously Ayurveda, but with others, it's like sometimes your body needs that amount of time to be able to detox all of the toxins and everything that you have and even like break habits because a lot of things that we do aren't necessarily like, you know, detoxing. It's breaking the habits that we have that are making us sick, right? Yes. If you, what you see when you have women with uh, mostly women have burned out, uh, at least here in my clinic, and if you see how long it takes them to finally uh, sit and do nothing, it's troubling. They're sometimes sitting here on the couch and crying their ass off because <laughs> they never learned how to do nothing. Yeah. And they feel really useless, worthless, and uh, better. I go home and take care of my children, and I'm sitting here doing nothing the whole day, and I'm only receiving a massage, and uh, my husband has to do all the work now because I'm doing this. And they, 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 they come up with all these ideas why they should stop taking care of themselves because they feel so guilty. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, then it's like, uh, uh, yeah, they need a lot of guidance to get through that. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. That's a struggle. It and is so, a struggle. yeah. And so, like, what would you recommend to someone to incorporate in their day to day? lives to kind of try to stay let's say they did do the detox and all that stuff what habits can they incorporate to the life to stay on balance and not not go back to the, their old ways is there any advice you'd give uh, the listeners for that i think uh um if you if you wake up uh with the nature like uh if you wake up before the sun the sun comes up so like like it would be like around six o'clock here like it depends on where you are living then that already helps you to wake up with, a, with a, the, the energy of the day that's not too heavy. Like if you, after, after the sun is coming up, the, the energy uh, is changing into a kapha energy. So you have to make sure that you wake up before this kapha energy starts to be more fresh and awake. But it's sometimes it takes people weeks 
before they can feel this because it's if you always wake up at eight o'clock in the morning and suddenly you have to wake up at six of course you're only tired in the beginning so that this is what we are trying to do very often with people to get like in an ayurvedic uh, uh, morning routine uh, to to cleanse the the mouth and to uh, the nose and the, the ears and the eyes to get all the 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 mucus and slime out of our head uh, areas because above the heart was kapha as we said and kapha is heavy and slimy and stable so we have to remove that from our head so that our brain and everything also gets more light and then uh, the day can start so it's like many people here they have to go to work at eight o'clock so they wake up at 7 30 they eat the, their famous bread with uh, cheese and then they go to work <laughs> So they, they were not hungry, they were waking up too late, so it was already in the heavy energy. So if we change this kind of simple things, and you don't have to go from 8 o'clock to 6 o'clock, but you can slowly go, uh, like we do with the coffee, we can also do like, okay, make it make it every week, 15 minutes earlier, to slowly get used to it. So you get like a little bit in a better routine. And then, like, like yeah, a simple thing, like uh, uh, only eat when you're really hungry. It already helps to get more awareness, like, hey, it's lunchtime. Actually, how does my body feel? And then you talk with your body, like you talk with your stomach, like, hello, are you already hungry? So that you get to know what it's actually your body is asking for. Yeah, we're so disconnected from our bodies. It's crazy. I find myself like, oh, it's 12, time to eat lunch. And then I realize I'm actually not hungry, but my brain tricks me into thinking I'm hungry. Yeah. So crazy. Like I some people also have like a set time at work to have lunch, so they can't really pick yeah. it either. Yeah. Yeah, but there are tricks to get hungry. Like uh, if you are not getting hungry and you only have a break from one to two, then there are, there are some tricks that you can use. Like uh, maybe you can chew on uh, chew on some uh, slices of fresh ginger with a little bit of rock salt if you are like a vata constitution to to increase this hunger. Ah. And then it's also like like what they say. Uh, the best for kapha is to eat two times a day. The first one at 10 o'clock, around 10 o'clock. So when the first hunger comes, and then the next one between five and six. That's it. Two meals, not too big, not too small. Wow. For pita people, they pita people need three bigger meals a day because they their their acne, their digestive fire is working higher. So you should give enough food. So uh, they should be satisfied. So it's three bigger meals a day. And uh, with the Vata constitution, it's like uh, three medium meals, so not that, not too much. And then in between, they have to have like a, something in between because they easily feel because they are already so light from themselves and have more tendency to be so uh, quality of lightness and dryness. And uh, they need like to have like a perfect rhythm to have the whole day in small amounts like uh, food for energy yeah so there's no not one advice for everybody like, because everybody is unique it, it all depends on what is your constitution yeah and what about like i, I didn't like we didn't uh, look into this because i don't know i didn't see anything but is there an exercise or an exercise routine that 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 i should rather recommends like moving the body getting something done yes it's like uh uh if you take something simple like some a lot of people now in the yoga will they do like a sun rotation in the morning mm. and uh, uh, so could do that like a little bit uh, up tempo and do like more than three rounds and so it, it, 
to make them move because they are really static and very slow and very stable and a little bit heavy. So they can have more activity in the morning. They don't like that, but that would be good for them. And for pita people, they should do it like uh, they can actually do it better in the evening in the moonlight. Because if they really want to do something in the morning, they can do it really like uh, uh, with a very good focus on their breathing and uh, uh, do it with a lot of. Um, the movement should be really perfect. So every every movement should be really perfect. And uh, for vata, you can do it. Just do one sun rotation, and then you go into savasana, where you are laying on the on the ground, and uh, you calm down again. And then you take a shower. Then you have your breakfast, and then you go to work. Wow! I want to know my dosha. <laughs> <laughs> You're probably um, a mix, right? I feel like I'm a mix of stuff. Yeah, probably like. Um, Pitta and Vada I think I feel I don't know how, how do people like people would have to see a practitioner to get their actual assessment done right because you have so many questions and things you need to check right yes yeah it's our practitioner a good one who also studied false diagnosis or uh, an Ayurvedic doctor that's available in your place mm-hmm Hmm. I don't know if there's anyone here in Cayman that does. I don't know, but I need to see her one day. I need to, yeah. I need, and I need to drag Sandra to go with me. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So, do uh, you have like any? What's, what is your daily? What does your daily practice look like? You you're waking up early, like you you had said, and you're doing. Are you doing like your exercises, and then you begin kind of your day? You start eating when you're hungry. Yeah, I'm, that, that's actually my routine. Is like I wake up between uh, five and. 45, 6 o'clock maximum. And um, it also depends if there are patients here, then I have to wake up sometimes earlier because I have to prepare the medicine for them for the whole day. So then I already started at 4 o'clock. Um, and then I prepare the food for my family, just for my daughter for school and making the breakfast. And uh, I do my uh, meditation. I'm not doing uh, uh, yoga because I have some issues with my, uh, with my back. And uh, but I, I, the only thing uh, moving I can do is like walking. So I have a dog, and uh, uh, a few times a day I, I walk like half an hour to one hour to get my I'm kapha constitution, kapha pitta. So uh, I should get my movement, but I cannot do too much. Yeah, yeah you sound very like because I've never met you in person, Lucy. You haven't met her either, right? You, we, you were no, referred- no. I know, yeah, I, I met the person that knows her at the Access Bars Exchange. Okay, so you sound very, very chill. Like you sound like you're very calm. And I guess that would be Kafa? Yeah. <laughs> okay, I'm learning. I'm learning. <laughs> good, good. Kafa <laughs> Pita. Yeah. Wow, I'm going to have to go see you when I go to Holland. Yeah, the more easy. Uh, Constitution, I think it's when there is at least some kapha in there because kapha brings stability and pita helps you to do some do things. Yeah, so, uh, it's perfect. Yeah, so it's yeah. really like uh, I have some, some uh, like what I was saying in the beginning that pata can give like this tremendously amount of ideas that you can do. So, uh, yeah, that's a little bit my problem. Like my mind can be really vata, so I can also come up with a hundred of ideas. And then the problem is this pita, kapha, this pita and kapha in my constitution, pita is immediately going into, over into action. So it, it's immediately going to realize it. And kapha can, just because of the stability in me, my body can handle that for a long, long time. And then suddenly 
my body says and now it's enough <laughs> yeah so well, that's perfect with all the work you do right like you're, you're yeah very yeah. busy yeah with yeah. my constitution this is really helpful yeah she's working up at four i can barely get myself out of bed at 7 15. <laughs> <laughs> now, now she's telling me to wake up at six so i'm gonna have to try it yeah yeah just, yeah but it's, it's, i go to bed early so it's also like uh, uh like many people say like oh but then you have so less sleep but I, I i'm fine going to bed between uh, nine and ten i'm fine yeah. yeah i go to bed too we go to bed too late in this house like literally when we turn off the lights to the living room and go up to the bed if you look out the window you see all the other residents everyone has their lights off and we're we're just going to sleep yeah but it's also like i have i it's easy for me because my partner he's also an ayurvedic uh, uh he's also working with ayurveda so he's a writer so he's like kind of in the same routine as uh, where i live Wow. Yeah, that helps. So if if you both are we're doing something with Ayurveda, then it's also easy to understand each other. Like, yeah, but uh, the patients are there. I have to wake up at four. Then the other one is the same. Like, let's go to bed then. Yeah, that definitely helps. Are, yeah, it, yeah. So if your your partners are doing totally something else, then it's of course more difficult to get into this routine. Hmm. Yeah. Well, it's your birthday today. Are you having a piece of cake, or is that against the Ayurveda <laughs> rules? <laughs> I picked up my daughter from uh, from camp, and then uh, we had a cheesecake. Oh, oh that's good. Okay. <laughs> yeah, love it. Fully not Ayurvedic, and I, <laughs> <laughs> and I, lo I loved it. <laughs> yeah, balance. Good. It's all about balance, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's like, uh, if I already know that I'm, I, I already know the whole day that when I go and pick up my daughter, I'm going to do this. So it's, it's, it's I, I make a special decision what I'm going to take for lunch and what I'm going to eat the rest of the day because I know this heavy cheesecake is coming. So, yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Planning it out, yeah. Yeah. Um, can you just tell our listeners, um, you probably want to give them the website uh, where they can reach you or whatever other link you want to share with them. And we'll also be putting it down um, under the description of the, of the audio so they can, they can click on the link and go into your website. Yeah, the website is ayurdai.com and uh, the website from the foundation is... Uh, uh, mana midline home.com so if people want to study or do panchakarma in india they can uh, also contact through the mana home page it's also in english and my website is in dutch so i don't think they will uh, they don't get far so they can learn this from you yeah they can study uh, uh, from me they can come to the netherlands and they can study here so i have my school uh, uh, it's like a three 300 hour therapist training program and uh, the last uh, 90 hours of the training is internship in India, in the clinic in India. Wow. Ooh, sounds really cool. That sounds amazing. So there, yeah, there are, my students are now like uh, there. So I'm here and they are there. And uh, oh. so, yeah, my partner is taking care of it now. So, That's yeah. amazing. And also have to find an excuse to do book, it. Right? The book, you need to let us know about the book as soon as it comes out. We can, we can uh, let everybody know as well. Yeah, if people are interested, I can put them on the list. Uh, so as soon as the English version is ready, I will uh, let them know. Yeah. Perfect. Okay. I love it. Thank Wonderful. you so much, Miriam. It's been amazing to learn more about Ayurveda and everything you do. Like, it's amazing how, how much um, effort you put into helping people and your whole spiritual path is really inspiring. Well, thank you. And thank you for taking your birthday to speak to us. Yeah. Happy birthday. <laughs> Happy birthday. <laughs> Okay, thank you. <laughs> thank you so much. Talk to you. Thanks, Miriam. Okay. Right. Bye. 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 Thank you.
Thank you, everybody, for listening to this episode. We hope you enjoyed it. We also want to thank Miriam for coming on and really sharing so much information about Ayurveda and the doshas and everything. We really learned a lot personally. Lucy and I didn't know that much about uh, Ayurveda, but we did learn a lot through her and are very curious to continue learning. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to screenshot yourself listening to it and post it on social media and tag us as well. Feel free to send us messages and let us know what episodes you're listening to and what you're enjoying. That gives us really good feedback to know what to keep bringing you guys. As well, make sure you go onto iTunes and rate and review us. That'll really help bring the podcast forward and to more listeners. So that is the goal with this, for this to continue growing and to reach the people it needs to. So we really appreciate all your support and all of your lovely comments that we're receiving from everybody. We truly appreciate every single one of you. Thank you so much. And we'll see you guys next week. Bye.